Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Extra Dara coming right at you. All right, here's what's going on today. Yeah, I can't even believe it. Heading into the state fair on Thursday. I'm going to be out there tomorrow. Uh, with my fedora on, my magnifying glass, trying to find out the little things before I get rolling into it. Ah, it's all coming. And then I can't even believe it. State fair. Then you just go barreling into Halloween. My kids are already talking about their costumes. If you haven't spent time with kids, that's one of the things we talk about all the time. You think, oh, uh, they talk about it in January. They talk about it at Christmas. They talk about it just – it's an uh, interesting in- thing to talk about all year round. But then when they talk about it in August, all of a sudden you just feel like someone walked over your grave. You're like, oh, no. This is a this is a thing. So I, that's like in my head, here's how life goes. It goes state fair, uh, Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas. It's like a, just a, a tumble, right, until you get into the reading season. So I'm a little bit – I'm a little bit freaked out today, but uh, I don't know. It's it, I've got Mike Brown here. Mike Brown is hey. one of the people who founded Travail. He seems to have cracked the code on how to have a restaurant in this universe where we're so ADD and everybody uh. just wants a new thing every two and a half minutes. So we're going to find out how to do all that. But guess what? I got him here for one half hour. So that's oh. a beautiful thing. We're going to get to talk to Mike for quite a bit. Do you... Want to talk to us? If you do, the phone number, if you don't have it memorized by now, it is uh, 651. Oh, wait, I've lost the right thing. <laughs> oh, well, uh, That'd what? be pretty sweet to have a caller come in on this one. It I've would never, be. I've never had that. It doesn't happen <laughs> enough. Uh, it does happen, though. Ask um, me a question. Let's all right, 651-989-9226. My brain just left me. I hit the word <laughs> Halloween, and all of a sudden it was out the door. All right, 651-989-9226. So Mike Brown, uh, does he need an introduction? Travail has just basically taken over the small northern town of Robbinsdale, Minnesota, yep. and remade it in – their image, three founding chef partners kind of took over a scrappy, scruffy diner, and the rest is history. That was nine years ago? Nine, yeah, nine years ago. We are uh, we were nine years old in July. So. Nine in July. That yeah. sounds good. The crazy thing is that we're not even in Robbinsdale right now. Well, Travail isn't. It's over in Uptown. Uh, oh, yeah, that's true. You've taken over. In. Okay, so the but reason the, the pizza restaurant that you're in, the reason, well, by the time... This is all done. <laughs> uh, they're going to have to just turn Robbinsdale into Vale Town because you'll have three main buildings in Main Street. But, okay, so the reason that you are currently in the old Auriga space off the corner of Franklin and Hennepin yep. and kind of that quasi-district between Uptown and Downtown. Right uh, the, Lowry Hill meets. Right there. The reason you are there is because you're rebuilding. You're building a new, a new Travail. Yep. Uh, and so you need somewhere else to be for the time being. Yeah, pretty much. It's – it's been like a, a wild ride. We've been, you know, we, we, we designed it with uh, Peterson Keller Architecture. It took like a year to design. 
and we've been building. It'll be once it's done, it'll be we've we've been building for just over a year. So it's like a two year project. It's like writing a book, which you've done. <laughs> I don't know who I was when this started, and I don't know who I will be when it's over. Type oh. of thing. It's just been a long ride. Yeah. So yeah. you were uh, okay. So. Here's the the question. Everybody wants to know kind of what you're up to. In the meantime, you sure. opened Minnesota Barbecue. How's That's that right. going? You got a tiny, tiny 700 square foot yeah. barbecue yeah. thing in northeast Minneapolis now. So Kale Tommy, uh, one of our one of the chefs that helped us open Travail, we actually partnered with him and uh, we uh, scooped up this little building. It was like five years ago now, and it took us about three and a half, four years actually get it rezoned and then we we uh we built it ourselves we built it out ourselves we tore everything down inside of it put the beams up um and uh contracted it so that uh, we could put a big old smoker in there um we built our own smoker um and uh we do a walk-in smoker it as pretty it much is yeah you can hang <laughs> like three whole hogs in there if you wanted to vertically though so it's one normally you see the ones that are kind of um working in like that uh they lay them down on yep. a screen. This or one's a more of a carousel. Of... It like oh, okay. actually goes like, it's upright. So um, it's actually it's quite impressive, and it definitely smokes some good meat. That's for sure. People are loving it. You guys have been very. You always uh, keep your expenses low <laughs> by things like that, right? I yeah. was just talking to you in the green room. You said yeah. you got a new pizza oven for Pig Ate My Pizza yeah. by driving into the hinterlands of Wisconsin with twelve <laughs> grand in your pocket. Yeah. To, so- uh, <laughs> the that the whole story is kind of crazy actually it was like i just had we had this dream oven that we wanted because we we've never we never wanted to do a wood-fired oven we always liked cooking on a hearth because we liked our crust to be like almost like a baguette like nice really nice crunchiness to it and um we were always using blodgett and different different ovens we've gone through about three different ovens and then there's this dream oven it's called a marsal and uh, to buy one new it's like between 40 and fifty thousand dollars and it's like, well, that's not going to happen, you know. It's like just that's a lot of pizzas, yeah, you know. And you're just Zelda like, you, it's that. just this huge thing. You're like, that's never going to happen. So I was just like on a whim. I was just like, all right, I'm going to go on Craigslist and see if there's anything out there. Just type in Marcel. Maybe there's like a little one or something that's interesting else that they make. So there's one on there, and it's but it's it's listed with equipment, and I'm like, it's like like ten different pieces of equipment, and one of them is this Marcel oven. And I call the guy and I'm like, so what is this? He's like, I'm like, it's $12,000 for all this equipment. I'm like, what's this Marsal oven? And he's, I'm like, in my head, I'm like, there's no way it's the double stack Marsal oven that I've wanted forever. And he's like, yeah, it's like this double stack Marsal oven. <laughs> it's only eight years old. This guy, you know, he had a restaurant here and he closed up and I ended up getting all of his equipment and I want to change it uh, into an office space. So I'm just trying to get all this equipment out of here. Oh, and funny. I'm like, so it works. He's like, yeah, I mean, it's barely, it really wasn't even used that much. It's almost like brand new. And I'm like, I'll be there in an hour. And I'm like checking <laughs> Google Maps. I'm like, in 15 minutes, I like looked at looked at James and Bob. I'm like, I got to go. I'm going to go check this out. So I went back, you know, it's always fun traveling with $12,000 in your back pocket. That would make me so nervous. I just think the whole thing was a robbery. <laughs> Uh, he sounded pretty genuine on the phone. I was like, "All right, this is gonna be cool. I, if this is something that's real, this will be like this is a game changer." And it was. And we ended up uh, uh, working with the used equipment company. I'm like, "Hey," because they're really hard to move. They're humongous ovens. And uh, I basically was like, "Hey, can you move this oven for us? And you can have all the other equipment that's in this thing. You can just take oh. all the rest of it and just get this to this place." And uh, they're like, "Yeah, for sure." 
And uh, that's how we got our oven, and it cooks up really nice pie. The, the thing about it is the oven has – it's a hard – Okay, kids, that's how you make a bi- – <laughs> that's how you save money in that's, today's economy. Wheeling and a dealing. Yeah, it's, it's got the, – the stone goes over the top and through the back. So it retains – The stone. Its, yeah, so the, the stone being the thing that, that holds the heat within right, the oven. Okay. Right. So every time it opens and closes other ovens, the, the, the temperature drops. But this one, it just retains its heat so well. It cooks a really perfect pie. It's really good. That is a thing that you can see at different uh, – if you go to Birch Pizza in the basement there, you can just watch the yeah. temperature. They have a, a little digital readout, and it's kind of interesting to see. You know, yeah. Every time they kind of mess with it, the temperature goes down, put wood in, and then two minutes later, the temperature goes up. Uh, if- and that's a wood-fired oven. Those those stay so hot. Like there's just there's never an issue of heat going down. It's just always like a hot oven. The biggest wood-fired oven possibly in North America, I think it is, is the one in in Bloom inside Keg and Case yeah. in the uh, in St. Paul on Seventh Street. If you guys haven't been there, you should go. Yeah, those guys I are dropped it, in man. the other day. But I happened to be just kind of visiting with a friend, and we were staying late and watched them break down that oven and so uh, the the fire line. And so what they do is they just kind of start taking every bit of coal that's left over and putting it in the pizza oven part. And that was very interesting because you could watch the digital read on the thermo- on the on yeah. that oven too and kind of see uh, the temperature that they leave it on at night. You it's know. coal work, man. They have like coal shovels. They're like, yes. <laughs> like they're moving it like they're shoveling it in there like it's like a locomotive, you know. It looks like a, an old, to me, because I don't know that much about life, but it looks to me like an old <laughs> WPA mural, you know, of a, a strong man. You were talking to those, the- those guys, those guys and gals that work those – lines that those fire lines i mean they're like i'm like how does your back feel like it's like roasting hot. i was like, i watched somebody wow. once just you know because you're just in there and it's um you're just watching them if you want to there's a way you can sit at the counter and it's like a you're just staring at them work this fire which is to me fascinating it's the most interesting thing you can look at i think the two most interesting things a human being can look at is like a baby and a fire like those are the two things uh and so i just look at that but i i did notice one night this one line cook i mean he must have drank three gallons of water while i was watching him it looks like the hottest work possible it is but then um and then they have they the fire never goes out it's like no you just keep it rolling a beautiful symbol about uh american ingenuity or something it's like they get they load all the coals into the one part of it at night and then the more they somebody shows up at five in the morning starts building the fire again yeah kale at, at minnesota barbecue when they they start their fire at eight in the morning, and barbecue is ready by like that barbecue is ready by four o'clock. So he's cooking his briskets at at seven thirty eight in the morning, and that's like he just starts this massive fire in this uh, <clears throat> you know in the fire chamber, and it just slowly cooks this meat up to two hundred degrees. It's crazy. I think that's why we've had such a fascination with barbecue in this country in the last year or ten years or so. Really, a big, big interest in it, and I think it has to do with it's such appealing physical work. It's not staring at a screen. Mm-hmm. It's a thing that you do with your hands and physics. You know, it yeah, just lives a, in the world. It's a, it's like a total new form of authentic cooking, and I think that. Even like the flavor profile, everyone knows the flavor profile, and I think it's like almost like that, you know, that sixth, uh, you know, sense of taste, right? So you have your sweet, your salty, <clears throat> your sour, your bitter, and then your umami, which is like the, the savory flavor profiles. But then there's this like I've always added smoke as like this little sixth thing that like is something that is is totally its own. It's none of those other things, you know. 
We had this anthropologist on the show a couple of years ago, and he talked about how man is the cooking animal. You know, so we as like we're animals, you know, walking around and then couldn't you don't get as much nutrition out of food until you cook it. Like cooking it releases all kinds of um, it just makes it more bioavailable. Mm-hmm. Right. And so he his name was Richard Rangham. And he I think he started following monkeys around and he was a full on like field anthropologist, Jane Goodall style. And then one day he was like, you know, could we eat what chimpanzees eat? Could we just live on this? And he tried it for a day or two and it was just like, no, this makes us completely sick. We can't eat leaves. You know, <laughs> that's not a thing that we can do. And so then he realized, you know, all of kind of modern humanity, modern human comes from a fire, comes from eating around a fire. And yeah. I do think that that is, it is uh, great. Great. It's great. I'm all for it. Cooking. I'm, I would say, 20-odd years <laughs> into too. my food writing <laughs> career. I'm really ready to come down on this side yeah. of things. Makes things yummy. That's it for does. sure. <laughs> all right. So um, I do want to ask you about kind of a, a, the, the basic, like, you just seem to be able to mix it up and make things fresh all the time. Like, that is the one thing that I... Uh, sort of see wonderful restaurants will just sort of glide path into obscurity uh-huh. but you don't you don't do that well i mean we're constantly trying to um you know discover and i think that that's what kind of keeps us motivated and uh if anything i think our our restaurant is recognized as like a very motivated restaurant or a very experience driven restaurant and the thing is is like what people are experiences uh experiencing in our restaurants is what we are experiencing too and like um you know, if it gets, if it feels like it's something that's just kind of become old hat, it's, it's like absolutely, you know, it's, we, we get right on it. Like, we're like, all right, we need to change something major. We need to like just shift this in a way, even if it's back to an old way that we used to do something, we need to change the way our brains are moving because otherwise we're just going to start walking. It's like we're all walking I in a circle. I think that's a really know? counterintuitive thing to do in a restaurant because, or in any business because, yeah. uh, something, you know, you can say that something is old hat, and another way of looking at that is it's just chugging along just fine. You sure. know, it's it's not on fire. There's a real right. human tendency to just want to deal with the things that are, you know, requiring your greatest attention. We had a big magazine conference recently, and, and in print we talk about uh, not filling silos. Like you don't just have a books page because right. you have a books page. Like you have to have an urgent reason, and yeah. if you don't have some kind of like – but, you know, when you're in the – when you're just like, oh, okay, the books page is handled, right? you know, we'll just get right. on to the stuff that's more difficult. It's hard to, uh, you know, sh- short out, redo something that's functioning. Yeah. I mean it's – the thing is, is like there's, there's, a com- there's a comfortableness that happens when you do something for an extended period of time. And like we've been changing the residency every three months. Yeah, the months. residency for people that don't know, that's – That's Travail's – yeah, it's, it's, it's a temporary home over in Uptown. Um, like I said, it's right next to Lowry Meats, which is right next to Birch. Um, and it used to be the old Brad Street. All right. So you're changing that every three months. Yeah. And we change it every three months. And it's it's one of those things where, um, you know, you, you, you're you ripping – it seems like you're ripping it out of your your uh, staff's hands. Like, like, oh, we already know this. Like, But at the same time, we've, we've all kind of conditioned ourselves to this. Ever, ever since anyone has ever worked for us, they know that large changes happen. Like, hey – we're going to go on this little spring break, even at the old Travail. And when you come back, the whole menu is going to be changed, which is almost like opening a restaurant, 
right? Yeah, that's tough to do because yeah. you have to learn all the new names of things. Yep. You have to know if people like them. All right, we're going to take a little break. We're going to come back, talk about uh, things that are difficult. We're going to talk about the big news about, um, you know, kind of the community coming together, a couple of big uh, health related things. We'll talk about that. It's tough. It's not easy, but we will do that when we come back and we'll kind of catch up with uh, uh, Mike about the kind of next steps for the whole travail enterprise. All right. When we come back. All right. So let's talk about the tough news of the week. So um, Mm -hmm. uh, Jack Rebel, one of the most important chefs of the Twin Cities, uh, is dealing with cancer. And I think it's a really tough, he's in a a tough spot. You don't want to, this is not like a publicity you know, you don't you want to be private. You want to be with your family. You don't want a lot of attention at, at times like these. On the other hand, you're closely identified with your restaurant. Uh, people, the, the gossip in this town and, you know, restaurant kitchens are where we where gossip happens. Right. You've got a long, long day. You're drinking at the end of it. What are you? You know, it's it's uh, it's an intimate world with a lot of communication happening verbally. Sure. Uh, and so um Jack, uh, you know, put up on his own Facebook post, basically to, to uh, his own Facebook page to let people know I called him and, and he basically ended up saying, like, you know, let's get this out in an organized way yeah. uh, so to let people know you worked with you've worked with Jack, not officially in one of his restaurants, but just in a lot of kind of charity events over yeah. the years. And he, had a, he had a ton of people that he's worked with. He's been in the Twin Cities for 30 years. And I have a big story. Uh, you can find it on my Facebook page, Dara. Doc Ramdahl. You can find it at the main the magazine page, mspmag.com. Uh, I've tweeted it at Dear Dara. Uh, so you let's tell you, I, my initial of uh, reaction to the my reaction to the reaction. My reading of the reaction to the piece is it really broke on generational lines. Like a lot of older people thought this is, you know, you don't put your private business out there. Sure. And then a lot of younger people were like Thank God someone is modeling how to talk about these incredibly difficult difficult behaviors. It's really brave to talk about this stuff in public. Yeah. And like you said, like, you know, it's one of those things, too, where Jack is kind of a public figure or he's like somebody who's, you know, some some people would choose yeah, not I'm to a- personally talk about it. But there's like you said, there's so many different people that are in the industry that are going to know about it because we have so many close friends and. And it's he's so t- known for going through the dining rooms and yeah. you know talking to everybody. Yeah. And the Lexington is a, is a big family, I would say. Yeah, and he just he just didn't want the all the news. I think it was one of those things where he's like, I don't want the only news about this to be like, hey, did you hear about Jack? It's like, yeah, like from someone, from someone, from someone. You know, he wanted to just be like, all right, that's already happening. I can already tell. So let's just like put it out there. And uh, I think not only did he the. He did he is he handling it in a way that's just amazing. But I mean, your article killed it. Like I think that oh, was thank like you. an amazing article. I, I read it twice, and it's it's touching, and it's but it's also just it's the it's it's real. It's so real, and um, he's uh, he's a wordsmith. He's the way he he explains. Yeah, in the article, I talk about his rebelisms, which are uh, <laughs> just sort of things he says. Uh, some some profane, some just straight up inspirational. You know, but he's. He going through this and talking to all of the younger men who, you know, just love him and worked for him and, you know, would die for him. It kind of feels like a a military situation in some ways. Like, I mean, he just so people are so close to him. Uh, You know, he just he has just inspired so many people to Mm -hmm. uh, just give, you know, dig deep, be 100 percent. He's kind of a surrogate father to a a solid dozen men in the Twin Cities. And like you said, like people have have 
compared kitchen environments to like a militant, they even call it a brigade system. Yeah. You know, and he has definitely, if, if that's the case, he has definitely been one of those field generals that have just always, I mean, he was a sous chef, like in your article, it's like he was a sous chef at Goodfellas for 10 years, back when people were sous chefs for 10 years. Like, not only has he put in his time, but he's put in his time in a way that's that's so involved. He's taught so many people how to do so many things. And now it just feels like he's, he's you know, it, it's it's the type of, so it's the type of cancer that is, you know, something that you can live with for a while. And it's it kind of undetermined as to how long that's that will actually be, but you know, and the words that, his words and he said you know there's a difference between being scared and afraid you know and I am scared but I am not afraid and that's kind of that old field general way of just like just showing people that you know even all all the things that I've taught you how to get through and push through like this is another thing that I'm going to teach you how to do and I'm I'm dealing with it and it's scaring the hell out of me but. You know, I'm not afraid of this, and I'm gonna I'm gonna fight this. You know, because you've you've done this also at Travail. You guys are uh, famous for I don't know famous. You know, you've <laughs> always really held family and time off as a value. You yeah. know, you you close down for spring break. Mm-hmm. You close down around the holidays, and you've been really clear about we're not gonna burn out. We're making space for people to have lives, and I feel like that's a new. That's a new generation. Like that's not, you know, old right. school was like, you know, I will die on the line before I will, you know, meet my wife at the hospital for the birth of her baby. You know, like sure. that, that was a, a old school gener- way to do things. You yep. don't do things that way. No. And I think that that's just, you know, society in general. I think the times have changed, you know, and, and we were probably doing it pretty early in the sense of how things have changed lately. But like I think that um, – we still hold true to that. We try to make sure that people have a balance, right? And um, uh, it's it's not an easy job. It, it's, it really isn't. And, and even when we try to create this type of balance for people, it's still not easy. It's it's four days on, and you're 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 there. You're you're on. So um, and then you have three days off. That's the Travail uh, model. So it's just it. You know, in order to produce things that are, you know, the way you want them, it takes just a whole bunch of energy and a whole bunch of time, you know. Yeah, I feel like people are getting really more on board with this in restaurants. I uh, talked to David Fimo recently for a piece for TCB Mag, and I was very uh, honored that he talked to me um, because I've said some <laughs> not kind things about his restaurants in the past. But uh, one of the things he said that they they have a full on, you know, five days and then two off at all times. You work right. four days and then you can work a lunch or something, but then you have to take two days off. And mm-hmm. I think that people are really like, that was not the culture even a decade ago, even with him, you know, yeah. the, people are really understanding that if you want to keep your business kind of slow and steady and together, you just can't be burning people out and having these, you know, various drug and alcohol related crises. And right. I think, yeah. And I think that the, the labor pool for restaurants is changing as well. Like, I, mean, I remember when I first came back to Minneapolis scene of cooking, it was about 10 years ago, and I couldn't get a job. There was no room in any kitchen. I, I think I, I staged at uh, 112, I staged at uh, uh, La Belle Vie, and then uh, Porter and Fry, and uh, Saffron. And... I was like, how do I get a job? Nobody nobody was like, well, that was nice to – thanks for the stage. We're full. Stage being free. Sorry, yes. Work, uh, free, <laughs> a chef kind of working yeah, for free. That's like a job a shadow. Bit. It's just to see if, you, if you're a good fit. But like if you don't – at that point, if you didn't know somebody, you weren't going to get into a restaurant. And I really didn't know anybody. I was like kind of new to town, but I had great experience. 
but it was just like you couldn't get your foot in the door anywhere. And now it's like chefs are just like, do you have anyone? Do you have anything that? We and that can- that crisis of the time ended up being a blessing because then you ended up banding together with a couple of people and yeah. and bootstrapping yourself into a real estate mogul in Robinson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> I mean, we we started our restaurant with uh, I think it was seventy thousand dollars total. It was one of those things where you trick your you trick your parents into just uh, you know at, together. They had, and and one of my uncles um, kicking in some some money just enough for us to make something happen. And uh, we found a, a turnkey restaurant and uh, we turned it into Travail. And I, th- I remember when we opened the doors, we had beer and wine on the shelves and food in the cooler. And a menu written, and we were prepped and ready to go. But we had two thousand dollars in our bank account when we actually opened, and we just looked at it and said, "We're like, we got to start making money because <laughs> we just spent everything that everyone uh, you know gave us to do this." So, and then uh, yeah, we just did everything we possibly could to just try to connect with people. And and that first space, you had every, the booths were banged together by like salvaged two by fours <laughs> and then varnished so people didn't get splinters. Yeah, and- it was all auction. It was all auction. Everything like just. What can we find on auction for the cheapest price possible to refurbish or reupholster? But you know? now you've moved Pig Ate My Pizza into a place with even floors and oh, chairs yeah. out of a store, the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the new the new Pig is great. You know, it's it's open, uh, you know, Tuesday through Saturday, which is new for it, and uh, open lunch from 11 to close. So it's basically kind of changing the way that we actually run a restaurant and uh but it's because it's in this bigger space it's in the in the old the the travail space that we uh we built uh in 2014 and uh it's about three times the size as it used to be and uh it's it's got a really cool uh you know re refinish on it and, and honestly the the brewery is like the coolest part about this it's we've put a microbrewery in it so it's a brew pub now uh, one of our chefs who's been with us for a long time, um, his name's Andy uh, Gesh. He is uh, heading this 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 conquest to brew our own beer, and he's been brewing his own beer for five years. And is it actually? Do you have some now? So the we've been waiting on the TTB, but we've just gotten some good news, and we're probably going to have our own beer in about a month or so. so oh, you've heard it here finally. First. <laughs> finally, get your own beer. So it's if it's coming out in a month, that means yeah. it's in the tanks now. So yeah, it's about a, about a month and a week. We'll probably have our first one because I think it takes. It's he's going to probably get his first beer out. Uh, it's a shorter a shorter brewing process of like three weeks, so we should be able to start brewing in two weeks. Wow, that's a that's a big fingers of an crossed. Era. <laughs> Please, federal government. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the uh, I was talking to Mike from Red Table Meats. They have this new thing up at. Uh, you're hearing a lot about this Kieran's Cafe. We had Kieran in here a couple of weeks ago to talk mm-hmm. about the opening. Now I've been. One of the things I didn't understand is that uh, Mike Phillips of Red Table Meats, you know, our great artisanal uh, salami producer, really some of the best stuff in the country, if not the world. Um, and so he has to go. Everything that he does because it's being sold in grocery stores has to go through all of this levels of agricultural inspection, you know, and, yeah. and a half supplant and a ingredient checklist and all these things anyway. But now because they have Kieran's kitchen, he can just run experiments. And so I was in there and they just brought out this thing. It looked like a, uh, it looked like a old fashioned bologna. You know, uh-huh. It looks like, like a really fat ring sausage, but it was just a big old cheddar worst that he decided <laughs> to make into a giant ring bologna. Which and, is, yeah. and he was yeah. like, now I can just do stuff. We can just play and throw things up front because if you're not, 
you know, if you're not sending it out for distribution, if it's not going to end up at Kowalski's, um, mm-hmm. the federal government kind of steps back and lets you just play and do things. So I, Dude, Mike's I, great. He makes awesome food. And any, once his hands touch meat, it's just magic, you know. And I love that giant cheddarwurst bologna log. <laughs> yeah, just for fun. <laughs> I'll and, take a slice, please. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He said they're going to have terrines and all kinds of things by the holidays. I can't wait. All right. So um, – Last thing that we should talk about: um, Are you are you ever really going to give up the Auriga space? Are you just going to stay in there <laughs> oh. in presidency forever? You know, not. I, I don't. I, I don't think we have the bandwidth to have a whole other restaurant once we open the new Travail. I think we're going to just uh, pass it on to someone. We we kind of we we went in. We we put some money into the situation and um, we fixed the space up to to be able to be uh, a nice usable space. So I think that. All right, so just someone's going to get after it. I, I think we're going to make go. everything about me. A long time ago, I published a, a post <laughs> and I said we we have two we're too erratic at this point. We need to just build a restaurant space like yeah. Next in Chicago, sure. the Grand Alinea restaurant, and just have it have a totally fresh concept every three months. Which is pretty much what we've been doing. <laughs> yeah, and you know, is is it it's working? Right? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 one of those things where, um, you know, it. We've been changing every three months, and we're going to change it again in September. And um, we're working with a, uh, a well-known local chef on this new concept that we want to throw out there to get us through, like, the holidays, and then we'll end up opening the new Travail. But I think that the concept of changing something constantly is – is uh, it's it's great, and I think it, it, it keeps interest, but at the same time, it it is uh, – it's a difficult task, we'll just say. To reinvent yourself yeah, every I mean, three months? For the fourth, the, I mean, this fourth one is, I'm like, oh, man, we're doing a fourth one. Here we go. Because our construction project, obviously, is like taking longer than it usually does. And that's just the, the case of anybody's construction project. But um, knowing that we're going to have to do a fourth concept, I'm like, oh, my gosh, we're going to do it again. We've already done it three times. And it's just like you rip it all down and then you build it all back up. And then, um, but I do like the idea. I mean, if it was something that could be like a like something that was collaborative, where it just just a different chef comes in and does their thing. I predict sweet. you're not going to give it up. We'll see Ooh, if I'm right. That's I like what this I, prediction. I like it. I'm going out in public oh, and saying saying it all up front. All right. She's predicting I'm having twins. That's what she's predicting right now. Travail and residency. I'm going to keep them. Both. No, I think you, what I think <laughs> happens is you all pull back. The core crew goes up into, uh, yeah. and then you just keep. The Aragas space has like a, a, a showcase, and then it runs out of your um, back office. That's what I think is going to happen. We'll see. I've been wrong before. I've often been wrong before. <laughs> I have a twenty-year. I have a twenty-year prediction. Uh, I like that prediction. That's uh, cool. <laughs> I have a twenty-year credit. Let's keep them guessing. <laughs> I can pull this stack of magazines off my shelf and see. You know, oh, these are the restaurants I awarded best restaurant in twenty thirteen. You know, yeah. we'll always do a top ten of the best new restaurants of the year. Typically. After about a decade, about three of them are standing. Sure. So that's uh, it's. Uh, so I've got a. I've got about a. I'm batting three hundred. That's good, right? Yeah. <laughs> you can play for the twins. <laughs> uh, if they need a short lady with a big vocabulary, <laughs> I'm here for you. <laughs> second base. All right. Second base. Um, anything. So I'm gonna. Just kind of leave it with people should go visit all of your different things. You got barbecue. You got. Uh, you got. Pizza. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think there's just, there's, there are, like you said, there are a lot of things happening in our, in the little world that we have created for ourselves here. Um, residency is just hot right now. The, the, the qua concept of Mexican 
Uh, Mexico City Fine Dining. That's is, what's going on. That's what's off happening. the corner of Hennepin and Franklin right that's now. Right. It's a Mexico City Fine Dining. And like, there's a there's a smoked pork belly sandwich that uh, uh, Minnesota barbecue that everyone's like losing their mind about right now. And it's just we're putting little ads out there to show people it because it's like anybody who takes a bite out of it, it's like the BLT of the summer. It's oh, really? Awesome. Does yeah. it have tomatoes upon it? <laughs> sure does. Oh. The tomatoes are rocking right now. It's tomato season. I have a, I have a recipe around it up of tomatoes. Tomatoes, can, they, they do so much work for you. There's a tomato, there's a, cap, a caprizza on at uh, Pig at My Pizza right now that is the number one seller, hands down. Everyone's just like, These, this is the best pizza. It's like, well, yeah, well, tomatoes are just amazing right now. What is a caprizza? Moment. Just fresh tomatoes on a pizza? So, yeah, it's like our house pulled mozz. Uh, there's arugula. Uh, there's uh, a balsamic reduction. And then uh, there's just like sliced steaks of, of, you know, heirloom tomatoes that are just every farmer right now is like, who wants them? You know, they're perfect. So I need to get I, I do that every year. I'm I can't grow heirloom tomatoes because I live in the city right. and the squirrels are yep. uh, marauding, <laughs> destructive I can't force. Because my dog will eat them. He'll just go up and just pick up like an apple and just chew them up. I'm like, oh, man. Oh, you can't even get mad. <laughs> Oh, that's terrible. Well, yeah. So I, I, I have a certain you know amount of uh, uh, money reserved, play money, just for for going to the farmers market for massive tomatoes. All right. So Mike Brown, Travail, all the things. Yeah. Pig ate my pizza. Thank you for coming in and Thanks talking for to us me. about all this. All right. We come back. We will get to those tomato sandwiches. Ooh. You got any tomato sandwiches? You got tips and tricks? You can text them to us, uh, and I will read them when we come back. All right, so what are my top tomato sandwiches now in peak BLT week? Hope you're getting ready for Bacon Bash, by the way. That's uh, September 14th. We're going to be out at the good old Osceola doing Bacon Bash. Can't wait. But what are you going to do in the meantime? Well, why not put some new things in your BLT? So these are all up at WCCORadio.com slash menu. You can find them on my Facebook page, Dara.Gromdahl. All right, so I've got uh, – I'm just going to kind of thumbnail them for you. Tomato variation on a classic muffaletta. Get some of that muffaletta olive spread and then put that in with some really good summer tomatoes and maybe some slices of provolone. That's a sandwich. Um, provolone, it's on trend with me right now. You can kind of sear it in a skillet and get it a little bit crispy and bubbly. If you're not a bacon eater – that is a beautiful variation on a BLT. Takes the place of the bacon, of course. So a little fried provolone sandwich for the vegetarians in the crowd. Another nice summer option, pimento cheese. You know what that is, right? You can that chopped pepper and cheddar cheese spread that's so big in the South. That with a big old summer tomato, that is just the best. And I have a link Right now, up at WCCORadio.com for Isaac Becker's famous egg and harissa sandwich from 112. So 112 is famous restaurant. wonderful. Everything about it's great. I love their fried egg sandwich. And you can put a big old summer tomato slice in there. That is the just super, super delicious thing to eat. Um, and so those are my top tomato sandwiches. They are up at WCCORadio.com. You can go check them out right now or they're up on my Facebook page. We come back. We'll have a very quick minute for an Ask Me Anything when we come back. All right. I got a question about who has a good Iowa-style pork tenderloin sandwich. And I really got to research this one. I wish I had an answer for you, but I do not. I don't think I've ever seen one. So I'm going to have to start working the 
working my connections, see what I can come up with you. So that is going to be a, I'll get it back to you. All right. So here's what I need you to do. Get out your calendar. River Falls, Wisconsin. Meet me there. Seventh annual Bacon Bash is happening on Saturday, September 14th. We are broadcasting live. You will see me, WCCO microphones, some other people. It's going to be, I love this festival so much. It's such, River Falls is such a lovely town and you get to like walk around this little area where they have, uh, it's all shady and people are cooking. It's just a, a lovely, lovely experience. Uh, knock on wood for good weather. We've always had it before. Um, September 14th. So that's where I'm going to be. Come out and see me at Bacon Bash. Big WCCO event. It's so fun. Kids do this. Uh, they eat pig covered or pig decorated cupcakes. So they're frosted to look like little pigs and they put their hands behind their backs and then they eat them. It's like my favorite thing. It's so funny. And we'll kind of, they do this big cooking contest and I get very judgy. It's good times. All right. So what else is going on? Well, next week we are full on at the Minnesota State Fair. I am going to be later in the afternoon. There's a little Vikings action happening on the show, or during my time slot, rather. So I will be on from 2 to 3 doing a beer show with the Lodge father, Ryan Tangay. Um, it's going to be really fun because they've got 37 insane beers, and I'm going to drink a couple uh, before this whole thing happens, and I'm sure I will be very angry because I get really angry when people put can- candy in my beer. That's just the kind of mom I am. So I'm going to have cotton candy put in my beer. I'm getting ready for it. Until then, may no one put cotton candy in your beer unless it is an authorized activity. And I will meet you here next week on Off the Menu. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.